Welcome to Fishing Forward, a podcast inspired by fishermen for fishermen that focuses on health, safety, and staying ship shape in the commercial fishing industry. Fishing Forward is brought to you by the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety and by the Coastal Roots Radio Team at the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada. I'm your co-host, Hannah Harrison. And I'm Phil Loring. In this episode, we're talking about something near and dear to most fishermen's hearts. Sleep, or for many fishermen, maybe a lack thereof. Sleep is the fisherman's Achilles heel, usually because they just can't get enough of it. You'll remember from the intro that this podcast is inspired by concerns fishermen have about the impacts of their livelihoods on their health. And near the top of this list is the impact of chronic lack of sleep over time, especially with respect to how it may impact brain health or cause disease such as dementia. These are really important questions. So in this episode, we're talking to someone who studies that very phenomena. Hi, my name is Bryce Mander. I am an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Human Behavior at University of California, Irvine. I'm a scientist. I am a cognitive neuroscientist by training. That means I study how the, the basically the biology of how and why we think in certain ways. My focus in my work has largely been on sleep and how the physiology of sleep impacts brain health, aging, and memory and thinking uh, abilities as we as as we age and get older. Uh, and a recent focus of my work has been on the role of sleep in dementia, such as Alzheimer's disease. Let's start with some baseline information. Have some questions. Question one: How much sleep do most adults need? the The eight hours that everyone is thinking about is based on recommendations from different public health specialists who studied sleep for years. And this is a recommendation that's based on sort of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine has come out and said, most adults need between seven and nine hours of sleep per night on a given day. All right. Question two, how do our bodies and brains regulate that seven to nine hours of sleep if we can get it? Well, sleep in humans is essentially regulated by two processes in the brain. Now, as you might expect, these processes are very complicated and nuanced. But Dr. Mander kindly describes the key ideas here in a pretty straightforward way. The first regulatory process is called homeostasis. A lot of different physiological properties in your body are regulated by homeostasis. That essentially just means, um, here's a good example, hunger is regulated by homeostasis. The longer you go without eating, the more hungry you get. When you eat, you feel sated, right? Then when you don't eat for a while again, you're hungry again. So that's a homeostatic regulatory favor. Um, how much you need something depends on how long it's been since you've got it. And that fulfills basic body needs. You could say the same thing about a lot of different behaviors as well. Thirst obviously is one. There's theoretically, there's also salt regulation. All of your hormones are regulated homeostatically. They go too high, they get regulated back down low again. Sleep is homeostatically regulated. The longer you go without sleep, the sleepier you get. If you get some sleep, you become less sleepy. The other process that regulates your sleep is the circadian process. Circadian simply just means about a day. Um, it is basically talking about biological rhythms in your body's physiology where you have certain biological processes that are regulated around one day. Okay. So third and final question. Why do we need sleep in the first place? Well, it turns out that sleep is the great normalizer in our bodies. There is a lot of evidence that sleep is important for brain health. 
There's a lot of evidence that sleep is important for helping us remember things, helping us um, make good decisions, helping us regulate our emotions, but it's also important for body peripheral health. Sleep can impact how we process sugars. It can help how we process or secrete our hormones. It can help facilitate um, a healthy immune system, which of course we all know is really important at this time. So there's a number of different aspects of how our bodies function that depend a lot on sleep. There's even evidence that sleep is important for kind of restoring cells, repairing cells that are damaged. There's even evidence that if you work out a lot and kind of tear your muscles up to build them up stronger, that actually triggers you and makes you sleepier because sleep helps you build those muscles up too. So any kind of thing you can think about, sleep is involved. There isn't a single aspect of physiology that sleep doesn't play some kind of role. In a nutshell, sleep is complicated but important, and it impacts nearly every aspect of our health and well-being. Dr. Mander explained that these impacts are particularly evident when we don't sleep, both in the short and the long term, otherwise known as acute or chronic sleep loss. Acute sleep loss is usually considered to be a short-term loss of sleep, like missing one night. Chronic sleep loss is either not getting enough hours of sleep on a regular basis or getting low-quality sleep on a regular basis. Either way, the consequences can be seen throughout the body. At the acute level, if you miss a night of sleep, you can show changes in pretty much any organ system in your body. So it is, it is a holistic gestalt. It affects every way that your body functions and acts to optimize your health and your behavior. And if you don't get sleep, particularly chronically long-term, you can have all kinds of consequences. Um, Your memory can be impaired. Your ability to regulate your emotional state and have a stable kind of rational emotional state gets impacted if you're chronically sleep deprived or you're acutely sleep deprived. There's even evidence suggesting that you may find people less trusting if you're sleep deprived. This is considered kind of more superficial, but some people care about this. There's evidence suggesting that if you're sleep deprived, people find you less attractive because of the way that you hold your face and you look and stuff like that. But in terms of other health aspects and consequences, sleep loss, the the day after you get a vaccine blunts your antibody response. In other words, your ability to build immune response to a vaccine is blunted if you are sleep deprived. And that's very fundamentally important, especially in terms of a pandemic. In addition to that, there's a lot of evidence that a chronic sleep restriction or chronic sleep loss can actually impact your ability to maintain a healthy diet and keep your weight low. And people who sleep less tend to gain weight more quickly and gain more weight. So there's metabolic and sort of body health consequences as well. Um, There's a lot of evidence at sort of mechanistic levels that different molecular markers of cardiovascular health, basically your risk for heart attack, um, cardiovascular disease, strokes, that kind of stuff is impacted by sleep deprivation. That I could go on. There's a number of different consequences. Okay, so there's lots of way that lack of sleep impacts our bodies. I'm curious about the case of commercial fishermen who are often in the category of chronic lack of sleep. Specifically, how might a lack of sleep impact them while they're on the job? That's a really great question and something many fishermen also wonder about. And as Dr. Mander is about to explain, studies have found that cognitive function is actually one of the first things to change. One of the most obvious ones is, of course, attention, the ability to sustain attention and stay awake. This is a good example of that is, do you fall asleep while driving? Right. That is losing your ability to sustain and maintain attention on a task to be able to focus and concentrate for a period of time. If you're sleep deprived, obviously you get sleepier and you're more likely to have what we call micro sleeps where you essentially fall asleep 
um, against your will. And this is one of the earliest and most characterized deficits we see in cognitive function. It makes sense, right? It's a practical thing. You're tired, you fall asleep spontaneously. But this has very serious consequences for anybody operating heavy machinery in extreme environments. I like this term, microsleeps. So essentially falling asleep at the metaphorical wheel. Yes, and sometimes the actual wheel as well. Talking with Dr. Mander here reminded me of a story that one of our previous guests, John Corbin, told me during my interview with him. Listeners may remember that John has spent over 40 years as a commercial fisherman and knows intimately the struggle of irregular and low quality sleep. You can you can kind of relate it to like blood alcohol levels, you know, so I'm not sure if that's quite accurate, but you you do get pretty rummy and your judgment is not always there and you 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 don't do things like you would when you're when you're sharp and focused and um you know sometimes your decisions decisions are more like what can i do so that maybe i might get a nap in here but i will relate one story that we finished up a, a halibut derby up in kodiak and we got into town and we had to get the boat stripped down and rigged for salmon tendering and just you know very quickly they needed us to go salmon tendering right away so i hadn't slept in three days and we got a rental truck and i loaded it full of gear and headed out to uh, our gear storage was about a 20 minute drive of course you got the nice warm truck with the heater going and and uh, everything was fine, and I made the I made the turn to go into the storage unit. It was about two blocks away, and I nodded off. And um, I woke up. I could hear the grass underneath the truck hitting underneath the truck. I kind of woke up real quick in time to see this tree right in front of me. I was only going about 20, 25 miles an hour, but I slammed on the brake and I and I hit it head on and. Uh, threw all the gear out of the back of the truck and all over everywhere and, and uh, wrecked the truck. Um, but it's just, it can sneak up on you that fast. And just, it's the same thing with wheel watches and things. A guy gets, a guy's got to drive the boat and, and um, you know, he gets up in that comfortable chair and turns the heater on and, and uh, trying to stay awake. And next thing you know, he's, he's sound asleep. Now, there are many reasons that fishermen are so chronically tired. The demands of the fishing schedule can be grueling depending on the season and species, but, and I'm speaking from experience here, it can just be plain hard to sleep on a boat. Absolutely. Rough weather, loud noise, all of that can take their toll on getting some meaningful rest. Here's John again, giving us a picture of what that really looks like on a vessel. You typically sleep up in the bow is where most of the bunks are. Um, the bow is also where the majority of the waves hit. So but you do get used to it and eventually you get tired enough that that it doesn't really matter. Your head hits the pillow and you're just gone anyway. A lot of times guys may not sleep that well the first, uh, you know, the first few days, but then you just kind of get used to it. I used to always say that when I came home, you know, because you've got the engines running, you've got you've got all the noise going on around you and everything else. I used to come home and it was so quiet. I always used to joke that I should fire up the lawnmower and put it right outside my bedroom window so I can sleep better. I remember some an old timer once told me that they took a pair of tennis shoes and nailed them to the wall down by their feet on the boat 
and they when the weather was really rough they'd just tie their shoes onto their feet so they wouldn't fall out of bed so it, it you know i i'm sure there was a lot of embellishment in that story but it's kind of uh typical of you know i mean sometimes you've got to Sometimes you can just lay down, the weather's nice and calm, and you can just get a really good sleep. And other times you're just getting smacked around down there. And even though you you are sleeping, it may not be quality. This issue of quality sleep that John talks about here is really important. This type of sleep has a name, restorative sleep. And here's Dr. Mander again to explain that concept just a little bit more. But when people think of good restorative quality sleep, typically they're talking about having sleep that makes them feel rested in the morning. People with insomnia often have non-restorative sleep because that sleep quality isn't good and they feel crappy after they wake up, right? People with sleep apnea can often feel like they have poor quality sleep too because they're constantly waking up at night because they have these intermittent pauses in breathing because air obstruction. So fragmented sleep is often non-restorative sleep. Sleep physiology that gets disrupted for a variety of different reasons, whether it's aging, whether it's dementia, whether it's um, medical comorbidities that affect your ability to get that deep sleep or get your REM sleep can make you feel kind of crummy the next day. And when we talk about restorative sleep, we talk about sleep where people feel refreshed after sleep. And that's often described in a clinical context. So what happens to fishermen like John if they aren't getting enough of this restorative sleep? Well, you can end up with what's called a sleep deficit or sleep debt. Sleep deficit is a very general term that's often used in many different ways. Sleep deficits can be defined as a sleep debt you build up because you don't get adequate amount of sleep. A sleep deficit can also be basically reduced sleep quality because of fragmentations. Uh, it can even be changes in the physiology of your sleep that may occur as people get older where certain physiological properties of sleep look worse than sort of healthy younger people. And that is sort of related to health outcomes of a variety of different kinds. So sleep deficits can be local, they can be global, they can have to do with fragmentation of sleep or sleep duration. It's a generic umbrella term because they a lot of different things can cause it. I want to pause here because I think it's really important to know that sleep debt is something that you can, to some extent, recover from. In our next episodes, we're going to talk in much more depth about the impacts of long-term chronic sleep loss on the brain, including covering issues like dementia and other brain diseases. But for now, here's Dr. Mander explaining a bit about sleep debt repayment. Not every effect of sleep loss is permanent. A lot of them are not. A lot of them can re be recovered if you're able to get recovery sleep. There are limits to that, but it's important to know that acute effects can be recovered from. If you lost a night of sleep in college, chances are 10 years later, you're fine. The more important issue is if you get poor sleep chronically, continuously for a long period of time. And I think when we think about the effects of this on people in the commercial fishing industry, we need to really think about the seasonal effects, what people do when they're not out fishing in extreme conditions, and what they can do to kind of organize their environment to try to recover as much sleep debt as they can. So again, there's more to come about practical measures you can take to mitigate the realities of sleep loss in future episodes. In the meantime, I'm curious to hear how managing sleep on the boat works for John and for his crew. Well, one technique that John uses on his boats is to have enough crew on board to allow for sleeping shifts. A lot of times, you know, when we're moving gear around, moving crab gear around and things like that from one spot to the next, we have to have all three guys out on deck. So you wake up the guy in the rack and you, you, you bring him up 
on deck and they work for a while and then you're able to put him back in bed. And um, the main thing I tried to look for was any reason why we don't need to have all three guys um, awake. And it's like, you know, one of you guys get to bed and um, try and keep them as fresh as possible. So I think that's the management side of trying to do what you need to get done, but not unnecessarily. I know there's, I've seen a lot of guys that just have three guys out on deck all the time. Sometimes you get to where the guys are standing around because there isn't enough work. So really it's like, okay, two of you guys can do this. One of you guys get to bed. And, uh, and also when, when you're done with a string of gear, one guy come up and drive one guy, get the bait ready for the next string or whatever, and then get in. And if you got time for a nap, take a nap and just trying to, trying to influence, you know, or tell the guys don't try to be superhuman and just stay up and whatever. Um, when you can get some sleep, even if it's a 15 minute power nap, grab it when you can. John also said that the industry has changed over time and attitudes towards sleep and work just look different now than when he started fishing. I think a lot of it has to do with perspective. And there seems to be a big difference these days than when I started fishing back in the 70s. And you just did it, you know, and, and the guy had come wake you up and you're just you're just dog tired. And but you get up, you stumble out of bed grab a cup of coffee and, and a sandwich or granola bar or whatever and head for the deck. And uh, if you're not really awake, by the time you get out on deck, you will be with colder and spray and whatever. You'll be, you'll be awake. And you just, I don't know, we just did it. But there's, there's, a, there's been a lot of change in the way we do business from back then in the 70s to now. It was not unheard of, you know, especially like with, with the halibut derbies that we had in Alaska and things that um, I've, I've stayed awake for three days without any sleep and um, didn't enjoy it. But, uh, you know, when the fish are coming and the adrenaline's running and you're, you're, you know, looking at the dollar signs, boy, you just get all excited and you're, you're ready to go, go, go. But there is a day of reckoning as soon as it catches up to you and, and, uh, you either sleep hard or, or something else. So let's talk takeaways, Hannah. What were some of your big aha moments from your conversations with Dr. Mander and John? Well, other than the story about nailing tennis shoes to the wall, I really like Dr. Mander's description of the two cycles that regulate our sleep, homeostasis and the circadian rhythm that we have within each of us. You know, I didn't really fully appreciate, I guess, just how critical sleep is to all of our body's processes and our health and well-being. Neither did I realize how rapidly cognitive function starts to degrade when we don't get enough sleep. Yeah. And I think it's it, it matters to know that it, it's not just sleep. It has to be restorative sleep. I also found it really comforting that when sleep debts are occurred, they are to some extent something that you can also pay back off once you're on shore. Thanks for joining us today. In this episode, you heard from Dr. Bryce Mander at the University of California, Irvine, and John Corbin, who fishes from the Columbia River area in the Western United States. Join us again next time to hear more about how sleep impacts the brain and brain health as we age, and how fishermen are managing their sleep schedules during their busy fishing seasons. Fishing Forward is a production of the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety and Coastal Roots Radio at the University of Guelph. 
We love to hear your feedback. You can share your thoughts with us via email at fishing at necenter.org. That's fishing at necenter.org. Or you can leave us a voicemail by calling 607-221-4448. And of course, you can also visit us on the Fishing Forward podcast webpage at www.coastalroots.org forward slash fishing forward pod. Though we do our best to bring you accurate information and lived experiences in this podcast, please remember that all of the health-related information presented here is the opinion of the interviewees, and it should not be interpreted as licensed medical advice. As always, talk to your physician about your own health needs and circumstances. Fishing Forward is funded by the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety. We also receive support from the Alaska Marine Safety Education Association, Oregon State University, the Pacific Northwest Agricultural Safety and Health Center, Fishing Partnership Support Services, the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association, the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, the NORA Agriculture, Forestry and Fishing Council, the Southwest Center for Agricultural Health, Injury Prevention and Education, and the Local Catch Network. Stay sailing.